Ava is the Philippines' only curated online store of premium, well-loved brands and design objects. In this podcast, we talk with its founder, Oliver Segovia, on how he started Ava with no fashion experience whatsoever. He didn't treat that lack of knowledge as an impediment, but more of a challenge to overcome and an opportunity to learn. It's this no-excuse attitude which he finds important for entrepreneurs to have. This is Tech Shake Radio. Startup stories from founders, investors, and influencers. So we're joined today by Oliver Segovia of Ava.ph. Hello. It's an e-commerce website. Maybe you can tell us a bit about it. Sure. So uh, Ava is uh, an online fashion brand. Mm. And uh, what we do is uh, design, distribute, and market uh, women's apparel Mm -hmm. uh, and accessories online. And at the same time, uh, we have a B2B business on the side, which helps enterprise clients accelerate their digital and e-commerce transformation. Oh, so it's all about e-commerce. Yeah. But for what clients have you been doing this with? So we've been doing it mostly with uh, retailers uh, and local companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they're confidential okay. engagements. <laughs> uh, but the main theme around across all of them would be these are companies looking to take their existing operations and businesses into the digital world. Whether that means e-commerce or uh, content marketing or productizing their products uh, into more digital Mm -hmm. audiences uh, or even as far as helping their organization with training and development and professional education okay. to adapt to the digital world. So we're talking more about like traditional businesses, yes. not necessarily fashion, right? Not necessarily oh, fashion. Oh, nice, yeah. right. So for those companies out there who actually want to digitize their business, maybe they can go to you. Yeah. But how did you legit, start? Uh, legit, legit, legit digitizing businesses. What do you mean by that? Sorry. Like we don't do any of the, you know, <laughs> like, kind of websites. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we just to be clear. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think that's already clear, <laughs> but thank you. Thank why, you why, are you, why are you so excited, man? No, I was actually- He looks so had, excited I right now. I actually had- And he's turning business, red. I actually had a business idea, and I was just hot in here, actually. <laughs> I had a business idea that I wanted to put forward, but I guess it got shot down. Because, really? it's, <laughs> because it's illegal. It's illegal. Okay, let's avoid- <laughs> right, We won't talk about that. Let's not talk about that. We're not on, with this we're, administration. We're, we're on- <laughs> record and I want to avoid that type of conversation. So let's go back. Let's talk about how you started in the e-commerce industry, how you started in the tech industry. Was this something you wanted to do when you were studying in like college or high school? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I was away from the Philippines for seven years. Mm. Uh, I was living in Singapore and then studied in Boston. And when I came back home in 2011, there was a big shift in the local industry. When I left seven years prior, there were only three or four million internet users. When I came back, there were already around 30 million internet users. And there wasn't much activity going on in e-commerce. At that time, there was just the deal sites. There were around 100 plus of them. Uh, Lazada and Zalora were already starting to slowly enter the market. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if you look at the different verticals from electronics to pets, food, fashion, there wasn't sites that were specific to a consumer segment in the market. And we felt that fashion would be an interesting segment Mm -hmm. to be in uh, for a number of reasons. And so decided to just uh, start a beta of the site. It was literally me and like three other people plus one intern uh, in our house. 
And uh, in our first year, we hit seven digits uh, in revenues already. And uh, at that time, we realized, okay, there could be some legs here. Uh, after 12 months, maybe we can start fundraising. And so we did. And we became one of the first investments of Kickstart Ventures in mid-2012. Nice. So how you started it, are you a developer yourself? Not, no, you're not. Right? No. So how did you form that team to create an MVP? Was it your co-founder who developed it for you or did you just bring an intern? So luckily, my brother runs an IT company. Oh, okay. And so he uh, is a developer part-time himself and he has a team as well. Nice. So they helped me out. Awesome. That sounds awesome, actually. And how was your experience building up towards that seven-digit revenue? Was it rocky at first or do you have any like stories that you can share? with building that actual product? Well, it was not just rocky. It was like a roller coaster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Going back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. There would be days or weeks where we would not have any sales <laughs> at all. Uh, and then there would be like days wherein we just like make one or two months worth of sales all of a sudden. So it was very unpredictable, I'd mm -hmm. say. It was predictable, un unpredictable on two levels. The first one was E-commerce was so nascent at that time. Yeah. Nobody was doing really anything. It was a big question mark whether Filipinos would trust a website with their credit cards. Uh, for those who don't have credit cards, it was a big question whether they would even buy in the first place. Okay. And then coupled that with the second uncertainty, which is predicting fashion trends. Oh. And it's a big problem most retailers mm -hmm. face. There's no way to find out what's really selling. And so the way we tried to solve that problem was we took a flash sales model and just tried to launch new stuff every week and then see what sticks. Uh, and from there, we had a lot, obviously, of failures. We tried random stuff from even selling like uh, tour packages to baby items to home okay. accessories, you name it, we've tried uh, to sell it, except the legal ones, of okay. course. Uh, and so luckily, you know, after a lot of uh, false starts and misses, uh, we were able to get to that level. Nice. How do you, like you were in the very start of the e-commerce industry here in the Philippines, like it's all about timing maybe. It's Is partly timing, yeah, yeah, it's partly timing. Uh, and it's still, I think, an open question mark on how far the industry uh, can go. Mm. One big thing I've, of course, observed is that if you look at the e-commerce industry here, it's, it's, that, it's that it's dominated by foreign companies okay. and foreign founders. Yes. There are very, very little local, purely local e-commerce companies that have been founded mm. and managed by Filipinos. Mm. And so we're, we're pretty proud to be part of that small group of Filipinos doing e-commerce yeah. here. How has it grown since then? Like, how far back was, was it when you started AVA? This, uh, we've grown uh, in, in many ways already. So first is uh, we've launched additional websites already. Mm -hmm. So for example, we've launched a site that does luxury consignment for pre-loved bags mm -hmm. called reloved.com.ph. And sometime towards 2015, the end of 2015, we started getting inquiries from local companies that expressed a desire to get help exactly. yeah. for transforming their digital uh, operations. And so we started to get into that business mm -hmm. and uh, we started doing that in early 2016. Mm -hmm. And now I think we've served a total of probably what, four companies uh, yes. already. So how did you, um, based on the model that you're building, it's basically around e-commerce, how do you figure out that, okay, these are the type of things that we need to get into in the future? 
Uh, I'd love to say that there's a deliberate strategy to, <laughs> but you just to do a product yeah. roadmap and all of that fancy stuff that step-by-step step we're going to do this. But what we realized was that a lot of the things that we were doing was just listening to the market mm-hmm. and then seeing where, where people uh, were, were voting with their wallets. And for consumers, it might be for a particular product category in in this fashion segment. And for the enterprise market, it might be like a specific need for this kind of business model or application or or campaign for their business. And we just try to serve them as best we can. Our mission as a company is to build the brands of tomorrow Mm -hmm. through the intersection of design and technology. And so for us, it applies both to our own brands and the brands of our clients as well. Could you already say that you achieved the success you'd want with Ava, or is there an end goal inside? Uh, it's a it's a black hole question for most entrepreneurs because <laughs> I think any uh, any entrepreneur you ask will always say it's never enough. Okay, <laughs> there's always something better that that, <laughs> that you can do, uh, and it's not necessarily greed for money, right? Mm. It's more like the world is changing so fast. Mm. Every single year, even if you feel, wow, I've arrived, suddenly the world changes again and you feel inadequate and you got to change along with it and just keep growing and keep learning every single year. This is a question I ask a lot of people I talk to. Um, how do you define an entrepreneur? Like, would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yes, definitely. But what is your definition of an entrepreneur? I think the definition will vary for different people. The classic Harvard Business School definition, which we've been ingrained in, is that entrepreneurship is the pursuit of opportunity regardless of resources currently controlled. And for me, that's, that's a personally inspiring definition because of the second part of it. Because most, uh, the phrase, regardless of resources currently mm-hmm. controlled. Because here in the Philippines, we grew up with a mindset that you have to have a stable job and save up money and put in some of your own capital and be an expert and know everything about a specific field before you become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy to say that based on my experience, I think the reality is a little bit more interesting because you can be an entrepreneur even if you don't have any savings, Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of resources currently controlled, right? I could start an e-commerce company without knowing a single line of code, yes. without being a fashion person. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how to make a pattern and sew and then pick fabric. Of course, I picked it up along the way, but at the start, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and that's why we just recruit and find the right people to help mm-hmm. you out on it. And I guess that's, that's pretty true for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in technology, because by definition, everything is new. Nobody knows anything about what you're doing. I'm pretty sure there's no playbook out there teaching people how to build a spaceship to go to Mars. (laughs) And uh, all of that, we just have to learn on the fly. And I think that's exciting to me because it's something that you can be creative with. You can try and test different things Mm -hmm. and be in charge of your own path. Having said that, there are also people who believe that entrepreneurship uh, is a way for them to pursue their passions. And I think that's an equally meaningful definition as well. And you might be sick of a corporate job and you want to pursue a business that's more in line with what you love to do personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty cool definition of entrepreneurship too. Yes. Some people define entrepreneurship as a vocation. 
not necessarily with a commercial benefit. Mm -hmm. I want to start a nonprofit or go teach students in the rural Philippines. And I think that's particularly true too. And that's okay. And that's a, for a person who wants to do that, you have to be entrepreneurial mm -hmm. too because there are a lot of constraints, right? Yes. If you're in the nonprofit world, the challenges are typically system-wide. Right, so education in the Philippines—that's not—that's not a problem one company can solve. Right, it requires close collaboration between the government, private sector, local leaders as well. Mm -hmm. And I guess what holds all of those definitions of entrepreneurship together is that one, it's forward-looking. There's always like a bigger vision beyond profit uh, that you got to be going for. And number two, it requires you to work with others. You can't just be doing it on your own. Mm. Uh, and uh, number three, I think it requires you to serve some sort of stakeholder, mm. whether it's a customer or your students or your, or your employees. It's always in pursuit of serving a particular part of the population. Awesome. And I think I also like, like what you said in terms of being an entrepreneur, you need to be hungry to learn, basically. And you need to be able to be open to that type of learning and see, okay, I need to learn these type of things and there's no excuses for me to actually, you know, found something or do something about it right now. Right. So I think that's one big takeaway. And if a lot of founders are listening right now, or aspiring founders are listening, I think you should just start it <laughs> with no excuse. There's no excuse. If you don't know how to code, just go over it, definitely. So. You also do other things outside of AVA. You also do some speaking engagements, I think, or give classes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I put together a social venture on the side called mm -hmm. actionstack.org Action that teaches workshops on skills necessary for the innovation economy, whether that's as simple as web development or growth hacking or data science, all of that stuff. And at the same time, I also write for the Harvard Business Review on the side. So those are your interests, basically. Like, is, what's your main thing? Your main thing is AVA. But are those some things that you just do on the side or do you yeah. also treat it in the same way? Uh, those are things, uh, as, even though I'd love to spend more time with them, uh, there's only 24 hours in yes, one day. I was going to ask And that, yeah. uh, those are more you know, things to do on the side to keep life interesting. <laughs> so it's not monotonous. How do you juggle those things around? Like you, you did say like, there's only 24 hours in a day. How do you manage your time to accommodate all of these things? So what I've learned is that the variable to optimize is not time, but rather energy, energy. and uh, interest. So for me, I think the beauty of um, being uh, an entrepreneur is that I have a relatively higher degree of control over my time. So that if I want to spend, let's say, a morning writing 400, 500 words uh, from a new idea I was thinking of the past week, mm -hmm. you know, I can definitely do that and plan my schedule mm -hmm. around it. If on the weekends I have a little bit more energy to be doing some stuff, then I'll, I'll definitely do it. And mm -hmm. In fact, we're organizing this uh, October 15, mm -hmm. uh, a workshop on resilience oh, okay. for entrepreneurs and founders. And the big question for that workshop is that, is resilience a teachable skill that oh, can okay. be learned by people? And so we've, uh, host, we're going to host a Columbia and Harvard Business School trained uh, psychologist who was in charge of the summer incubation program for students 
at uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and she's Filipina. Her name is Jordana Valencia, and she'll be uh, she'll be uh, facilitating that workshop to teach founders and maybe even managers what are some of the cognitive techniques that they can do to become more resilient and be able to face adversity and grit. That is that is something very important. I mean, like managing time and also being able to work more because basically if you put up your own startup you work more than a nine-to-five job you spend more time and even on the weekends you're working another question i also want to ask you is i think also a lot of people want to know like how much time do you spend on your work week relaxing and what do you do (laughs) like people want to know like okay there are these startup founders do they just work the whole week or where do they find their time to actually relax so my big, dirty, little secret. <laughs> what is it? Is it like watching movies or series? Like at it's, night? It's, it's taking micro naps. Micro naps? Throughout the day. Oh, so, so that's your secret. So if I'm stuck yeah. uh, in an Uber ride, for example, I'll probably like take 10, 15 minutes to doze off. <laughs> and I'll take a micro nap, maybe one in the late morning around... 11 or so or right before lunch and then another one in the late afternoon or at around 5 or 6 or so. Okay. And that keeps me going. And that, that powers you throughout the whole... Powers me through the day. And of course, uh, a stable exercise regimen mm-hmm. as well. And so I try to do uh, cardio, uh, metabolic activity, maybe two, three times a week would be best already. But I typically just average one or two. <laughs> it's basically also being responsible with your time and actually planning everything out. Yeah, is, this is, a, is this a men's health podcast? Are well, we going we to start talking about we can like, transition uh, to that. Like, um, <laughs> what type of exercises do you do in the morning? <laughs> I think you can save that for a whole other podcast. We need a video anyway. for that. Yeah, a video. <laughs> anyway. It'll be so bad. <laughs> you lose viewers. <laughs> so Oliver, if people want to actually reach out to you to, for men's health tips, where can they reach you? <laughs> Well, I, uh, definitely not me <laughs> for, for fitness. Let, let, let's plug um, ABBA. So ABBA.ph is yeah. somewhere that they can actually see. Or where, where else can they read like your blog? Maybe a blog or like where you write? So, so uh, I write yeah. at oliversegovia.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also post a bit uh, on Medium. And I have some articles on uh, hbr.org as well. hbr.org. Yeah. And at the same time, I published a book four years ago about leadership and careers mm-hmm. called Passion and Purpose. And you can find that by searching on Amazon. Awesome. All right. So one last thing. One piece of advice that you think is important that aspiring founders should know when they're starting their startup. For people who have already decided that they want to become entrepreneurs. Yes. Who are at that point transitioning. Going for it, taking the plunge. Do it smartly by first testing out whether it's enough to sustain you on a full-time basis. And have some level of milestones on what that specifically means. Does it mean X number of users a month? Does it mean a revenue base of X million? And one really smart thing uh, one friend from Google did is that he was working full-time at Google and he always wanted to build a tech startup on the side, which is a marketplace for coaches. And the way he did it was he was building the basic prototype while he was still working full-time at Google. 
and then he decided to jump on board and go full-time with the startup when he nailed a long-term customer mm. which was able to pay them really good money to help build the product mm. and at that point automatically the startup becomes sustainable for him and so he now doesn't have to worry about you know uh, do- doing the rat race of both building a product and raising money at the same time because that is infinitely difficult to do and you're probably <laughs> sub-optimizing on either product or fundraising if you do yeah. both at the same time all right guys so start smart Thank you so much, That's Oliver. the name of your next podcast. <laughs> no, no, the name of the next podcast is Men's Health with Oliver. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where I thank people who helped us make this possible. Thank you to Oliver Segovia for taking the time off to speak with us. Thanks to Daniel Olivan of Caliber for finding us a quiet room to record in. And of course, Jerguelias uh, for doing a great job again on sound production. You can find more of his work on jerguelias.xyz. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for listening to Tech Shake Radio. 